Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm Nara Wang, and my co-host is the 13-year NFL defensive lineman and two-time national champion at USC, Frosty Rucker. Frosty, in our last show, we had a very informative discussion about the coronavirus with Dr. Seamus Carr. Are you following his advice in how to deal with this COVID-19 pandemic? I absolutely am. I learned so much from that cast. Obviously, our viewers loved a lot. We got a lot of feedback from that one, which was great. I'm now using my hand sanitizer the right way and rubbing my hands all the way until they're dry, something that was very new to me because I thought they had to still be wet. (laughs) So there's a lot of things that I got out of it, how to travel, how to stay safe, how to be sterile. And again, I appreciate you bringing them on because that was exactly what we needed in a time like this, just a, a little awareness of what's going on. So that was a good call on your behalf. Yep, a good friend of mine. Great he was able to come on. And of course, we do our best to be informative and entertain at the same time. And if you enjoy listening to us, please subscribe and rate our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn. And of course, the website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcasts. For me, you can find and follow me on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Frosty, where do they find you on social media? As usual, you can find me at The Organic Frost, and that's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, heck, any social media outlet out there. That's where you find me. The Believe in USC football podcast is brought to you in part by True Classic Tees. Styles change, formal wear is out, and t-shirts are in. True Classic Tees is an LA-based t-shirt company that's on the rise. The t-shirts are soft, hold up in the wash, and incredibly versatile. You'll feel comfortable wearing them around the house, which is where most of us are stuck right now, working out in them, or when things get back to normal, out on the town. And the best part, they're incredibly cheap, only $15. And now, you can get them for even less. Go to trueclassictees.com and use the code BLEAV at checkout for 20% off. That's Believe, B-L-E-A-V at trueclassictees.com. With USC spring football practice and most of the sports world, including the 2020 Summer Olympics, either postponed or outright canceled, Frosty and I are going to mix it up and do something a little different. For this show and the next, we are going to remember the 2003 USC football season that ended with the first national championship of the Pete Carroll era. Frosty, of course, was a key member of that team after sitting out the previous season as a transfer from Colorado State. But you had to deal with a position change. How did that come about as part of the process of you becoming a Trojan? A trip down memory lane. Transferring into 2002 was one of the most unique situations in my entire life. Getting the opportunity to be at USC was always a dream. The transfer rules were that you had to sit out a whole year. So it was a difficult process to really get comfortable at USC because I had to sit around and watch all these great athletes perform on Saturdays and I was just a practice player. 
I transferred in at the same time as Lofa Tatupu, and we both played linebacker. You know, he was my roommate. So if anyone remembers that 2002 season, that was the year the USC Trojans went all the way to the Orange Bowl. Carson Palmer winning the Heisman Trophy. You had Trojan greats playing Troy Palomalu, Kerry Colbert. You had Justin Fargus, Malafa McKenzie. Big Bernard Riley at defensive tackle. You have Mike Pollard starting middle linebacker. Gerald Rodeau. You have Kareem Kelly. Those are some of the greatest Trojans of all time. And the situation that me and Lofa were in, we had to practice versus that great offense the whole year on scout team. The week we played Arizona State, and I had to simulate being Terrell Suggs and give Jacob Rogers, our stud All-American tackle, a look for the week. And obviously, I played linebacker coming in. Pete Carroll at Orgeron pulled me to the side and told me, you have the freedom to do whatever. You have free range. Just rush this guy. You can run around him, use your athleticism. You can go in on run plays and quick swim, do whatever it takes. But, you know, he was the main concern that week, and I got tasked for that job. So I guess I did pretty well, and I had no experience at defense line, but I moved on from that, continued the year out as linebacker. And before spring football, like I called him Pete Carroll's office, and he told me, look, you did such a good job at defensive end. I want you to help be a role player on my defensive line. I backed up Omar Nazel, and Coach Carroll said the linebacker corp was going to be very difficult, and my objective here is to put every good player on the field, and you have the best shot at playing there. Naturally, being a confident athlete, I kind of pushed back a little bit and thought, you know, I was all-world linebacker, and I could play linebacker. And he assured me, although I could play that position, if I really wanted a future – And he seen my body type. He said, I think you have a good future of playing defensive end for the next level. At this rate, I transferred, sat out a whole year, and I just wanted to be a part of this Trojan group. So I happily obliged by that point. And so by making the change to defensive end, did you have to put on more weight? Like what were you weighing in at linebacker? And then what did you end up at defensive end? I believe I played linebacker at 200 and maybe 50 pounds in 2003. I put on weight that summer in the weight room, obviously. I was finally on a full year of training table. So I was eating big, lifting heavy, drank a lot of beer. (laughs) And I I think I ended up at 250. (laughs) And it was a change for me because everything from linebacker to putting your hand in the dirt was a lot different. And you had a lot more restrictions to how you played and the vision that you could see and whatnot. So it was a transition for me. But I'm a football player before anything, and I took it on, and I was passionate about my craft. Obviously, I was coached by Ed Orgeron, so he got the very best out of me. He taught me so much about defensive line play, how to be physical, how to be gap sound, how to be accountable, how to just do my job. And he made that transition by, sure, forcibly yelling at me, but I listened. So to recap that 2002 season, USC finished 11-2, and ranked fourth in the nation after beating Iowa in the Orange Bowl. Like you mentioned, Carson Palmer had capped off his Trojan career as USC's first Heisman Trophy winner since Marcus Allen in 1981, before becoming the first overall pick in the NFL draft by the Cincinnati Bengals. Troy Polamalu had also finished his senior season and become a first-round pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the stars on both sides of the ball had moved on to the pros, and because of this, despite all the talent that was still around, there was an uncertainty among many about whether the Trojans were truly national title contenders. Obviously, the biggest question facing SC was who would take over for Carson Palmer. Junior Matt Castle had been Palmer's backup and seemed to have the inside track to take over, but he had competition from redshirt junior Brandon Hance, a transfer who had started for Purdue, and redshirt sophomore Matt Leinert. Frosty, we touched on this a little bit on a previous show, 
But let's begin by getting your memories on how that quarterback competition progressed from the spring into the summer of 2003. I mean, it was a really good competition. Obviously, they're coached by Norm Chow and Steve Sarkeesian as the quarterback coach. So these guys had a full plate and those coaches didn't slack off on them as they battled it out. Brandon Hans came in, he transferred the same year that I did. So he sat out and was getting prepared. Obviously, like you said, he had already had wins under his belt and starter at Purdue. He was a California native. So him coming home, I know myself, I thought with his experience, he was going to be the shoe-in. Matt Castle, big, strong, physical specimen with a rocket arm, intelligent guy. Then you have Matt Liner, the youngest out of the group. He graduated high school the same year in 2001. Modern day kid, we're both from Orange County. I was real familiar with him because we're in high school at the same time. He lit up Orange County and the state of California with yards, and it was one heck of a battle. So did you see a favorite emerge immediately, or was it just so close that no one really knew who was going to win that job? Well, for me to be on the outside looking in, this was their first real shot at getting these reps. You know, Carson was the starter before, so these guys were all fresh. Even though Brandon had experience playing before, he was new in this offense also. So it was a lot of growing pains through the offseason, through summer camp. And it was pretty much a nail-biter all the way down to the wire. No one knew. No one had advanced. It's not like the NFL where there's preseason games and you get a shot. There's just scrimmages. And they're battling versus one of the top-rated defenses in the country. So we didn't make it easy on them. Coach Carroll threw every blitz at these guys all spring and summer to get them prepared. And it was all the way down to the wire. And it just had to be coach's call. I don't think any of us players really knew going into week one who was going to be our starter. And in the end, of course, Matt Leinart emerged as the victor of that quarterback competition and was named the starter for the season opener. It was going to be number eight USC at number six Auburn at Jordan-Hare Stadium in the state of Alabama, August 30th, and a national TV audience for this one. I remember exactly where I watched that game because I was actually working a baseball game that day in Pittsburgh. I had worked the Braves-Pirates game for Fox Sports back in the days when I worked there, and so I was watching it in a sports bar in Pittsburgh with two of my friends from USC who had actually come up to work on that game with me. One, Matt Cordes came in from Cleveland. Another, the late Christian Ewell, former Baltimore Sun sports writer, had come up from Baltimore, and we were hanging out in a sports bar watching this game, and it was a great game for Matt Liner to get his first start as a USC Trojan because USC ended up surprising, I think, everyone with a 23-0 shutout victory of the Auburn Tigers, and it began very well for USC. Third play from scrimmage in the game, Darnell Bing picks off Jason Campbell and gives SC the ball at the Auburn 20-yard line. Matt Leinert comes in. There was a 15-yard defensive pass interference call, and Leinert completed the drive with a 5-yard TD pass to Mike Williams. Talk about the start of that game, the atmosphere that was at Auburn, Alabama. Well, before playing Auburn, we all have to remember we have Coach O, a guy that grew up in SEC country. Obviously, he's the head coach at LSU now, but let me tell you, he knew all about the SEC football, how tough, how rugged, how the fans were going to be. He had us so hyped up before getting on that plane. I don't think this team really knew what was going to hit them. We got on that plane. We got to the hotel. We had Sam Bam Cunningham talk to us about his time going to Alabama and playing versus that team and what he did. 
And, you know, being a Trojan was so special because there's moments like that in history that we still have access to these guys that can come back and really tell us a setting and get us in this feeling of football. And, I mean, when we got to that stadium, the atmosphere in the country, we knew we weren't in the Pac-10 then, you know, and it was a special moment. Yeah, that third play of the game was huge. Darno being the great number 20, they took a retired number because he was that good of a football player. He came in as a true freshman, got an interception on third play of the game. And it was really downhill from that point for Auburn. We had all the juice. We were so prepared, so ready for that game. And it was just a landslide from that point on. I think we controlled the line of scrimmage. We controlled every avenue in that game. And it was a great day to be a Trojan. I know that. For sure it was. It was great to watch. People don't realize this, but at the time, even though Reggie Bush and Lendale White were heralded freshmen, they got very little playing time in that game. Herschel Dennis was the starter. He had a touchdown run in that game. Ryan Colleen, the kicker, had three field goals. And Leinert ended up with not the greatest stat line in the world, 17 of 30, 192 yards, and that touchdown to Mike Williams. But you could tell almost immediately, at least from me watching on TV, that he had the leadership qualities, the confidence that you wanted in your starting quarterback. Is that what you guys felt too? Yeah, absolutely. We knew going into that game, whoever they picked as going to be the starter was going to have success. After Carson left and the coaches that he had grooming him, all these guys were so talented enough, we knew we were in good hands and we just had to roll with the hot guy. And Matt went in there, he had his poise, he played under control. They didn't put too much on his plate, but he had playmakers surrounding him. Like you said, big Mike Williams, eight grabs for 104 and a touchdown. Hirsch ran the ball very effectively all game. We had a stacked team, but our defense, that's what really happened. Our defense shut them completely down. It kept giving the ball back to our offense and set them up to get scores. I think we had six sacks on the day, two forced fumbles and Darnell's interception. That was Lopez' breakout game. Like I said, he was a transfer with me, so he was itching to get on the field. He had 12 tackles, eight solo, three and a half for a loss, two sacks. I mean, that's how you come out. That's exactly right. And how did you do in that game? You remember? I got two tackles. I think the very first player that I got in the game, I was so nervous. I had the jitters. It was a really big game. I lined up on the wrong side of the field. I didn't think coach told me who I was going in for. So I think I ran on the field. It was kind of like a Rudy moment. And they just told me, like, get in the stands, you know? So I lined up on the wrong side. From that point on, I settled down. I had a pass breakup, actually. I always somehow got my hands around the ball at USC. So that's how I started my career. I was limited playing. The Wild Bunch 2 was out there with Kenichi Udezi, Sean Cody. We had Mike Patterson. We had Omar Nazel. And I was just the guy that was rotating and being a role player. So it wasn't a big-time afternoon for me personally, but I'm a team player. And the way we shut down Auburn's offense attack with Jason Campbell, Cadillac Williams, and Ronnie Brown, you know how good those guys were? You've seen them as pros, but... In college, I mean, they were so talented up front. They had some big old nasty old linemen. I remember Coach O always talking about this guy, Big Monrico. That's all he said all summer camp. Monrico's going to grab you. He's going to throw you down. He's going to spin in your face, and he's going to do that. So to go up there and shut them down, I think they had 68 yards rushing. It was a huge feat for us, and that really propelled our season. Yep. It really was a great start. Held Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown to, like you said, a combined 68 yards on 20 carries. Jason Campbell struggled mightily, 12 of 26 for just 121 yards, and that pick by Darnell Bing. So SC, 23-0, off to a great start in the season opener, and that jumped USC's ranking up to number four as they went into the home opener the next Saturday against BYU. 
BYU came in 1-0 as well, but SC jumped out to a 21-0 first quarter lead thanks to two Matt Leinart TD passes, a short one-yarder to Mike Williams, and a big 48-yard one to Kerry Colbert, and Omar Nazel 16-yard interception return touchdown, and that led the way to a 35-18 victory, although it got tight because SE allowed BYU to score 18 unanswered from the second quarter to 7.05 left in the fourth quarter, due in part to three interceptions by Leinert and a safety that he took on a sack, but he was able to close the game strong with a TD pass to Mike Williams again, and Herschel Dennis got an 11-yard TD run. What do you remember about that game? I remember it being a slog after that really good start. One thing I tell all the listeners here, BYU will always play tougher. They got all these grown men over there that go on these missions and they come back and they're still eligible to play college football and they're in their 20s while you're playing versus us at 17, 18, 19 years old. And they always make it tough. They're always well-coached and disciplined. They're stronger than everyone. So you always got to be really prepared. But obviously, if you look at where our roster was, we had some of the all-time greats on our team, some real studs that played the next level for a number of years. Sometimes you can be a little bit more talented people. And like I said, BYU, they weren't too shabby. They came back, scored 18 unanswered. They gave us a run for our money, but we came together and we got the victory. They were a tough test for us. I was so young in my career to witness the roller coaster of a game like that in front of our fans. It was huge to be a part of because I gained a lot of experience that game. I think that was a better game for me. I had six tackles, four solo, one tackle for loss, and a half a sack. So I got a little bit more active. I think I played a little bit more, and I really started turning the corner then. Yep, another good game by the defense. Six more sacks in that one, three interceptions of their own, and two fumble recoveries, one on special teams. So even though BYU actually outgained SC in yardage, 359-306, the defense helped SC get through the tough part, and a little bit of a struggle by Matt Leinart in that one. Now, if you enjoy listening to our show, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or go to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. Find us on social media at Believe Podcasts. For me personally, I'm on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Frosty, let them know where they can find you. As usual, you can find me at The Organic Frost, and that's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. The Believe in USC Football podcast is brought to you in part by BetOnline.ag. There's no March Madness, and the NBA, NHL, and MLB have suspended play, but you still have plenty to wager on, including mixed martial arts, American Idol, politics, and the spelling bee. BetOnline.ag also has an online casino with blackjack and poker, including their $750,000 poker series. They're still fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, the fun never ends. So USC is 2-0 heading into game number 3 on September 13th at home against Hawaii. SC still ranked fourth in the country. Hawaii comes in with a 1-0 record. And after one quarter, 
low-scoring 3-3 tie before Essie exploded for four touchdowns in the second quarter to take a 31-6 lead at halftime on their way to a 61-32 wipeout victory. Freshman Reggie Bush scored his first touchdown as a Trojan with a 23-yard run in the second quarter, adding a 27-yard run for a score in the third quarter. Lendale White, not to be outdone, had his first two touchdowns as a Trojan as well, a 5-yard run in the third and a 20-yard run in the fourth. Matt Leinert, solid 15-21 for 200 yards and two TDs and didn't have to play in the fourth quarter. Herschel Dennis added 52 yards in the game. Kerry Colbert with five catches, 86 yards. And three defensive scores in the game. Ronald Nunn, 38-yard fumble return. Jason Leach, 25-yard interception return. And Travis Tofi with a safety. Big day for the defense. And Frosty, you even got into the action there with a takeaway of your own. Yeah, it was a big day for our defense. Obviously, you knew Hawaii of the old and probably still now. They're a pass-happy offense, and it gave us a chance to rush. It gave us a chance to cover the receivers and out-athlete them, period. Like you said, on the offensive side of the ball, it was good to see Reggie Lindell have these breakout games. Hurst still ran the ball good, but it was really about those two true freshmen getting an opportunity to play, and they showed up big for us. And I think Hawaii was just a little outmatched. And it was the day before my birthday, so it was good to finally, again, like I said earlier, get my hands around the ball, make a play, get my name on the big screen in front of a packed house at the Coliseum, in front of my family and friends, and to make it 3-0. and It was a huge day. Yep, Frosty Rucker with an interception and a two-yard return, so you didn't bust it all the way to the house, but you still got your hands on the ball, like you said. Leading tackler that day was Will Poole, who had nine tackles, and he also forced the fumble and had two pass breakups. And of course, it was going against an NCAA record holder, quarterback Timmy Chang of Hawaii. Even though he threw for over 300 yards, it took 54 attempts, and he threw two picks in that game. So SC rolling in that game against Hawaii. But the next game, after a bye week, was a trip up to Cal for the weekender. SC coming in ranked third in the country. Cal came in with a losing record, 2-3. and three, And this is going to be a rough one for SC folks to remember. Cal jumped out to a 21-7 lead at halftime behind three touchdowns by a name you're probably very familiar with, everybody, Aaron Rodgers. He had two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. USC then came back in the third quarter as Lendale White got a six-yard TD run and Lofa Tatupu had a 26-yard interception return for a touchdown. After that Tatupu interception touchdown, Aaron Rodgers got benched by Cal head coach Jeff Tedford for Reggie Robertson, the guy who had started the season as the starting quarterback for Cal before Rodgers replaced him. So Robertson comes in, struggled a little bit, but ended up leading Cal on a drive that got a 51-yard field goal by Tyler Fredrickson with 9.04 left in the fourth quarter to take a three-point lead. And then Ryan Colleen came up clutch with a 33-yard field goal with 16 seconds left that sent the game to overtime tied at 24. First overtime, not a good start for SC. Herschel Dennis fumbles, and Cal has a 29-yard field goal attempt that can win the game, and somehow... Backup tight end Greg Gunther Jr. was able to make a block on that 29-yard field goal to send it to a second OT. In that second OT, Cal had the ball first, and Robertson has a 20-yard TD pass to Jonathan Mackinnon. Leinert comes back with a 10-yard TD pass to Kerry Colbert to send it to a third overtime. And this is where it gets bad. 
Colleen ends up missing a 39-yard field goal attempt. Fredrickson hits a 38-yard field goal to win it for Cal. The fans storm the field in Strawberry Canyon. Frosty, go through what happened there. Oh, man, what a slugfest. I like to say I didn't get to play that game. I thought I worked really hard in practice, but I didn't make the final cut to rotate in the game, and the game was so tight. And me being a young guy, Coach O, I don't think had enough confidence at that stage in the game that he just wanted to keep Wild Bunch out there and battle it out. And we came up short. They always matched up well versus Cal Bears, always matched up well versus USC. The head coaches had a little thing going with Pete Carroll and Tedford. They didn't like each other very much. I don't think they still do to this point. We came in that game after a bye, feeling really good about ourselves, maybe a little too good. This Cal team was very prepared for us. They schemed us. They didn't like what we had going on. You could see it. They had an attitude about themselves the whole game, and they really wanted it, and we ended up losing. Yeah, and it was a tough loss for SC to take. They had come in very excited about the start to the season, pumped up about being ranked in the top three, and then that upset loss against Cal. Matt Leinert had thrown three picks in that game. Herschel Dennis was held to 53 yards rushing. Bush and White combined for just 13 yards on six carries. And Mike Williams, even though he had 96 yards, they kept him out of the end zone. Kerry Colbert had the touchdown and 81 yards and eight catches to lead the team. But the defense, only two sacks after having started off the season so well, had the two picks and two fumble recoveries in that game. But like you said, you didn't get to play. Jason Leach ended up being the leading tackler with 11. Melvin Simmons, the linebacker, had nine tackles in that game, three for loss, had a fumble recovery. And again, people remember Aaron Rodgers as a Cal quarterback, but he threw two picks and ended up getting benched for Reggie Robertson, who ended up going 9 of 12 for 109 yards and that TD in the second overtime. But the real killer was the running back, Adim Chinobi Echamandu. 34 carries for 147 yards. SC just couldn't stop the running attack that day, and it ended up being a 34-31 upset loss to Cal. So defensively, we just didn't do enough. But like you said, Jason Leach had a heck of a game, 11 tackles, and that was another breakout game for Lofa Tutupu, keeping us in it with his interception return for a touchdown. Again, it went all the way to three overtimes. It was a nail-biter. Goes down one of the best games. You know, everyone talks about that Texas game, but that game was one of the best games. I've seen a lot of athletes play. A lot of big-time players made some big-time plays in that game. And I didn't play that game. I sat there and had a front-row seat. Should have ate some popcorn, but I didn't have any. And we didn't win that game. The fans stormed the field. People were jumping from trees. It was a madhouse in there. But I guess when you beat the third-ranked team, it has to be USC. I guess that's the type of stuff you get on the field. So we didn't win, but I think that set the tone for the rest of the season that we didn't want to lose anymore. And that point right there, I think, was really the turning point in our season. Now, we're going to get to more of this season coming up. But again, a reminder that if you enjoy listening to us, you can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Go to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, to find our show, along with plenty of other shows you can tune into, and on social media, at Believe Podcasts. For me, I'm at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports, on Twitter. Frosty, you're on social media. What's your handle? As usual, you can find me at The Organic Frost, and that's on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. The Believe in USC Football Podcast is brought to you in part by LinkedIn. 
The perfect hire can impact your business for years to come. And the only place to find the perfect hire is on LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. LinkedIn will put your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn. And why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the top platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. After the tough loss to Cal, SC had to regroup and go on the road to Tempe to take on the Arizona State Sun Devils. SC had been dropped to 10th in the rankings by the AP. ASU coming in with a 2-2 two and two record, and this game did not start off well for the Trojans. Reggie Bush fumbled the opening kickoff. The defense somehow was able to force a punt. In those days, people would punt from the opposing 37-yard line. You would get killed for that nowadays, but they punted it and put the ball at the 5-yard line for SC to start the drive. It began with a delay of game, half the distance to the goal line before Four straight Matt Liner completions, three of them to carry Colbert, the last one a 57-yard touchdown. SC was down, though, 10-7 in the second quarter when Matt Liner got injured on a sack. His leg got crumpled underneath him, and he was forced to leave the game. Backup Matt Castle entered the game, but he struggled, including a fumble on a sack. There was a lot of wonder about whether Matt Leinart was going to be able to return to that game. Everyone was seeing that SC was not playing well without him. Well, Leinert came out of the locker room after halftime, and for SC's first possession in the third quarter, SC down 17-10. He leads the team to 27 unanswered points to get the win, 37-17. And I think that is the moment for most people that they point to that Matt Leinert really became the unquestioned leader of the USC football team, especially on the offensive side. He had 289 yards in that game, two touchdowns. Matt Castle, like I said, struggled, was 4 of 10 for 42 yards in his playing time. Lendale White had a huge game, 21 carries, 140 yards, and two touchdowns. Mike Williams and Colbert both go over 100 yards receiving, and the defense getting back into the sack game. Five sacks for 43 yards of ASU quarterback Andrew Walter. They picked him off, had a forced fumble and recovery, and a name I don't think a lot of Trojan fans even remember. Danny Urquhart was the leading tackler that day with 10. Sean Cody, like you mentioned, one of the big-time recruits that Pete Carroll brought in, had a huge game with two and a half sacks. And Frosty, you even got to seal the deal with a forced fumble in the fourth quarter. Yeah, recapping that game, it was a very hot day in Tempe, Arizona. They had an advantage, you know, with it being, heck, 105 out, it seemed like. The place was steamy and guys just weren't themselves that day. They matched up well. They wanted us. They played pissed off. They had a balanced team on both sides of the ball. No one likes to hear our band rocking and rolling in their stadium. They were giving us all they got. Now, this is a team that we knew we could beat, watched the film, heavily scouted them, had a great week of practice fighting back from that loss. And it wasn't until the second half when Leinert came back in the game and everyone settled down and we got to playing. It was a breakout game for Lindell White. And yeah, I got a horse fumble. I like to say it was a heck of a play. I didn't get to play that much in the, the football game. I was pretty pissed off. I got in the game 
quarterback threw the ball all the way down the field. And I remember like it was yesterday, Derek Hagan caught the ball. He's running, I'm sure the guy's 30 yards down the field. And I was a dead sprint and caught him as he's cutting back on our safety and hit him pretty, pretty hard. And the ball came out. I think from that point on, I was always a factor in the game. I think they seen how upset I was that this is back-to-back weeks. I really wasn't playing that much. And I felt like I was practicing hard enough, but wasn't on the field. So I think I submitted me being in the game after that hit late in the game. Yeah, I do recall that play. And Derek Hagan was one of the best receivers in the Pac-10 at the time. And he had a huge game on us, eight catches, 170 yards. But then that big hit. And again, like you said, you tracked them all the way down the field. I think that was a point where people started like, oh, who's this frosty Rucker guy? He's making plays out there when he gets a chance to play. And I want to go back, though, again, coming off of a loss against Cal, and then you're down 17-10. The starting quarterback's been knocked out of the game. Was there any doubt on the sidelines? Was there any kind of apprehension about what was going on, or did you guys just find a way to just push through it and rally together? Well, I think after losing that Cal game and then coming back and being so pumped up to finally get a chance to play the next game and to be a slugfest and our starting quarterback goes down, like you said, Castle came in, struggled a little bit. We were weary, but there's something about that team. And this is where the starting point of that halftime speech that Coach O gave us, that I think Lindell maybe said some stuff. These guys spoke up and and let us know, you know what? That stuff has to end. We're too talented. We work too hard to end up in these situations where we're going to let another team win. And great teams don't lose two in a row. So we came back and we fought and then it became a lopsided victory. And so using that as a springboard, the next game at home against Stanford, SC now ranked ninth in the country, Stanford coming in two and one, SC scores the first 27 points, leads 41-14 at halftime, cruising on to a 44-21 victory, outgained Stanford in yardage 493 to 242. Leinert didn't have to play in the fourth quarter again, had a economical 67% passing, 260 yards, three touchdowns. And we even saw the debut of true freshman quarterback, a guy who had left high school early to come to USC. John David Booty made his debut coming in in the fourth quarter in mop-up duty, had his first career completion on a one-of-four day for 13 yards. Another big day for Lendale White on the ground, 108 yards and two touchdowns. Mike Williams getting back in the end zone big time with three TD catches and 129 yards on seven receptions. And you mentioned him earlier, Big Kenechi Udezi had a huge game. Four solo tackles, three sacks, two forced fumbles, blocked a field goal. I mean, he went bananas in that game. Dallas Sartz actually led the team with seven tackles, five of them solo. You had a tackle in that game, and Stanford was not the Stanford teams that we would see later on with Jim Harbaugh. That was pre-Jim Harbaugh, but what are your thoughts and remembrances about that one? Well, that was a good game. I think we are finally, like I said, we set the tone for the rest of the season after that second half at ASU. This game was a breakout game for a lot of players. I haven't spoke a lot about it, but obviously we had big Mike Williams on our team, and he was such a stud and a force that he was so consistent week in, week out. This game, he just absolutely balled out. Three touchdowns. Lindell, like you said, rushed for 108. I remember the energy in the stadium was a night game. I actually had an interception. I want to throw that in. I had an interception, and right when I caught it, the guy hit the ball and it ended up being like a fumble. So on the stat sheet, it never said it. I got a picture of it. But like I was saying... The energy in that game was good. 
The stadium was packed. We came out smoking. We wanted them. We just came out strong and never let up. We were tired of getting close ones. At this rate, we just knew we couldn't lose another game, and we acted like it. We played our tails off. Like you said, Big Kenichi had a huge game for us, four solo tackles, three sacks, and being at practice with him all week and just watching the way he worked. The guy was such a performer, such a gamer, and that's why he ended up being at the end of the season, the first-round pick. He really showed us that day. Dallas Sards had a huge game for us. Again, it was a great night to be a Trojan, and we're so glad we got that win because we start rolling right after And that was halfway through the regular season, six games in, USC 5-1 and on the season, ranked in the top 10, had to deal with a tough loss on the road against Cal, but like you said, building momentum off of that loss with two straight wins. So in our next episode, we will go through the second half of the 2003 National Championship season for USC. Again, if you enjoy listening to us, you can subscribe and rate our show on all of your favorite podcast directories, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, or TuneIn. Our website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcasts. I am on Twitter at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Frosty, where can everyone find you on social media? I'm at The Organic Frost, and that's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All right, so before we finish up this show, what kind of preview do you want to give, a little tease for our listeners for the second half of the season that we'll cover in the next show? The one teaser I can give you is that we didn't lose again. We played some dominant football, and we went on to win a national championship. I was a part of it. I worked my tail off. I'm proud of it. I got the ring. If you guys want to hear how we practiced, how we worked hard, how we overcame a lot of obstacles and continued to win out and didn't lose a game. Make sure you tune in the next show. I got more stories. All right. So for Frosty Rucker, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 27 of the USC football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles's number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? We hope you enjoyed our recap of the first half of the 2003 National Championship season. And again, we'll come back with our next show to finish off the second half of the season and give you all the inside scoop on the stories behind that first National Championship under Pete Carroll. And as I end every show, please remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.